Hello, you're listening to All About Eater on the World Radio Paris. I'm your host, Crudy, and I'll be discovering what the Eater Project and Fusion Energy are all about. Eater is one of the most ambitious energy projects ever attempted. It is here in the south of France that a coalition of 35 nations is collaborating to build the largest and most powerful device to prove the scientific and technological feasibility of fusion power. Come and join me in this audio journey. Hello listeners, I'm very excited to begin the first episode of our mini-series about ITER in the most hands-on way possible by taking you with me on the actual construction site. I'm here in my car approaching the ITER worksite itself. In front of me I see huge cranes and massive construction underway and in the middle I see a big black box. It looks quite spectacular and I'm curious to learn what this is all about. And finally, reaching the site. Ah, and here comes Anna. So Anna Bondareva from the communications office is going to introduce us to the ITER world and guide us around. Let's hear from her. Hi, Kruti. Welcome to ITER. So my name is Anna. I come from Russia. And my work here is related mainly to the promotion of the ITER project, particularly on the social media. Today, I'm very happy to guide you around this outstanding global project. Uh, well, let's start by getting your badge and then we will meet Laban Koblenz, the head of ETA Communication. He will tell us in a few words what fusion is and how it works. Well, fusion, as you know, is the, is the source of all light and heat in the universe. It's what happened in the suns and stars. So in the center of the sun, fusion occurs because of gravitation. The sun is about 300,000 times more dense, more heavy than the, uh, than the Earth. So the, so the hydrogen is not gas like we experience it. The hydrogen at the core of the sun is actually, all, you could think of it as being solid. It's, it's 70 times more dense than steel. So these particles there are pressed together simply by gravitation to burn through 600 million tons a second of hydrogen. That's why you're here. That's why you're alive. That's why all of us are here. But how to reproduce that on Earth, we don't have that gravitation. So instead, we build this magnetic cage. And whereas the center of the sun is 15 million degrees Celsius, in an eater tokamak, it will be 10 times hotter, which means the particles are going to be going 10 times faster. Inside, controlled and shaped inside this invisible magnetic cage, that is precisely conformed to the shape of the metal cage. So why is that all important? It's because with fusion, you get lots of energy, but you do not get more, you do not get waste products except helium, non-radioactive helium, which is fine. And these neutrons that come off of fusion strike the sides, the metal sides of the tokamak, and they uh, uh, convert their kinetic energy to heat energy, heating the water behind the walls, which in a commercial plant will, will drive, uh, 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 make steam and drive a turbine to produce electricity. So why fusion? No long-lived high-activity radioactive waste. 
all the advantages of, of fission, but without any chance of a meltdown, carbon-free energy, sustainable, with an unlimited supply for future generations. So fusion, clean, abundant, safe, and actually economically positive because you're not competing for oil or fighting wars over it. The fuel is equally abundant to all countries. That's why 35 countries of the world are coming together here and working so hard to really achieve, here in the south of France, to really achieve the first industrial scale fusion machine. I would suggest we walk over to the visitor center where another colleague of mine, Sabina Griffith, is waiting for us. So yes, hello, good morning, Kruti and Anna, welcome to ITER. It's my pleasure to introduce this project to you and the listeners of World Radio Paris. So ITER is currently the largest scientific international collaboration in the world. You know. For decades, mankind has tried to replicate the natural process that happens in the sun, on the sun and in the stars, namely hydrogen fusion down here on Earth. In the sun, it's happen, happening naturally because of its huge mass, the gravitational forces of the sun. But down here on Earth, you know, we need to play a few tricks to force hydrogen atoms to fuse. So um, there have been quite a lot of machines invented over the years, over the decades, you know. But uh, pretty soon, so in the 70s, 80s, all the nations that were uh, working on fusion, they saw that none of them could do it alone, right? So it's very cost intensive. It's uh, very complicated. So they joined their forces and it's a very interesting part of the ITER project, its history. And in a later episode, we will come to that, the ITER history, because ITER is really also a child of the Cold War. It was born at the superpower wow. summit in Geneva between Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev, the world leaders in at those days. But here we are today, um, And under the ITER flag, we have joined seven members in total, 35 nations. Here we have on the poster behind me, you can see them, China, the European Union with its, all its countries. We have India, Japan, Korea, Russia, and the United States of America, right? And they have all joined their financial, their intellectual forces to really take fusion to the grid. Of course, ITER, well, not of course, but uh, a lot of people are mistaken. ITER will not produce electricity, but ITER will be the last step to prove that, yes, we have the knowledge, we have the know-how, we have the right materials and uh, the technology to do the last step, to take the last step and to build a fusion power plant. Right? So everything that has ever been done on fusion that has been uh, research that has been going on on, uh, on on fusion all around the world is culminating here is coming together here and so it's really a fascinating project it really is truly um, and Sabina can you tell us a bit more so I see also behind you next to the poster itself there is a big machine here well it's a small machine it's well. the model of a big <laughs> machine 
Yes. Yeah. Can you tell us more about it, exactly what it is? Yeah, um, so we have this uh, scale model here in our visitor center and it, it serves us to explain what this machine is all about. First of all, ITER is a tokamak. Uh, so this is a very bizarre word. It's a Russian acronym and it stands for toroidal chamber with a magnetic cage. And we have Anna here with us, you know, our Russian um, ambassador. And Anna, maybe you can tell us what this word really means. So tokamak in Russian is toroidalna camera s magnetnymi katushkami. So again, the tokamak is a Russian invention and um, it's only one of the many technologies uh, to achieve fusion for fusing atoms. There are also stellarators, there are laser projects uh, firing highly energetic lasers at uh, atoms. The tokamak has the largest history, the longest history. We have the largest database for tokamaks. So it was decided that ITER is going to be a tokamak. And we are looking at one here. And the basic features of the tokamak here are the outer shell, this is the cryostat, right? So we call it the big fridge. Everything inside the cryostat is the cold world. So there we have our superconducting magnets sitting in that cold world inside the cryostat, between the cryostat and the vacuum vessel, that is the next layer. Inside the vacuum vessel, we have our plasma soup. So a plasma is a gas that is heated to even higher temperatures and there's strip of the ions and the plasma is then electrically charged. So the plasma feels the magnets. So how it works, we inject our fusion fuel, uh, which is deuterium and tritium, and we then turn on the heating systems, and we have very, very powerful heating systems here at so ITER. So how hot does that get? ITER will be the hottest place in the universe, in fact. You know, 150 million degrees. Wow. It will be in the core of the plasma, of course, not on the walls, right? So okay. there is a, a very steep uh, decline towards the wall temperature, but nevertheless, you're right. I mean, uh, there is no material in this world that could withstand 150 million degrees centigrade. So then what kind of material is it that you're using? How, how does that actually happen? Well, the, the, uh, the wall material, uh, materials are beryllium and tungsten. Um, they can take a lot of heat, but of course uh, not 150 million degrees. So the trick is to keep the plasma away from the wall. And this is where the magnets kick in. You know, the magnets are actually used to um, force the plasma, to squeeze the plasma you know, together, to keep it away from the wall, to control its vertical stability and so on. In fact, it's going to be floating inside without touching anything? Yeah, in a way, you can uh, look at it like uh, the jelly in a donut. You know, this is the famous jelly, famous jelly donut. So okay. they have been conferences where we served donuts. You know, um, the plasma is the jelly in a donut. So this is the optimum that we try to achieve: to keep the plasma sort of away from the wall, floating, freely floating, circulating inside the machine. But um, ITER is designed for failure, so we will not achieve 
that the plasma is not hitting the walls or sort of has flares like the sun, you know, because the plasma is highly energetic. You know, we will have disruptions, we will have uh, runaways in there, but ITER is designed for all this, you know. The safety approach of ITER is fantastic. So um, there is a big safety document, you know, whatever you can imagine happening to this machine, even you could have um, a small plane sort of flying into the machine. I mean, we will have uh, a massive destruction to the machine, but this is a big safety feature. We would not have to evacuate the, the work site here. We would not have to evacuate the surrounding villages because the big trick, and this is why all these nations are after fusion, is the safety feature of fusion. We will never have more than three to four grams of fuel inside the machine at any time. So even if there is a big explosion, right? I mean, we are also looking at <coughs> worst case scenario. dust explosions okay. in the machine or losing the confinement. You know, we had this big aircraft accident, uh, the German wings or Euro wings accident not far away. Even if that happens, of course, we lose the machine. But it's not an environmental disaster, you know. So... The, um, the tritium release into the atmosphere will never go beyond the natural sort of um, concentration. So, and talking about safety features in a fusion machine, you will definitely not have any chain reactions, any runaways. This is simply not possible in a fusion machine. We will talk about the physics of fusion and all these safety aspects in uh, one of the next episodes also. So I keep announcing episodes, so please stay tuned. This is just the first episode, <laughs> yes, the opener. definitely. There definitely. is so much more to There's talk. a lot to talk about. And to, to tell you about the, this magnificent invention of fusion energy. Um, so I think um, this is the model, and we have started to assemble this machine last year, all these big components. Oh, I forgot to mention one big feature of ITER, which is the in-kind contribution. So all these members of ITER don't give us a check and we then sort of go out and do the shopping, right? Uh, we have partners, we have domestic agencies, offices in all these member countries, and they uh, procure the, uh, the components in their country. So all the components that you see here, here in front of us at this model are actually procured and manufactured all around the world. So just recently, the lowest part of the central solenoid, which is built in the United States by General Atomics, the conductors for the central solenoid, which is inside, comes from Japan. Okay. So this was just shipped out last week. It will arrive here on site in August. We already have one vacuum vessel sector coming from Korea. We have several toroidal field coils. We have the PF coils and all the other bits and pieces. You know, they have long since started to arrive here. We are now in the middle of assembling this machine, and I suggest that we just go over, drive over to the assembly hall and the pit and take a look what it looks like. That would be great. All right, let's Shall go. we do that? Yeah. Okay, let's hit the dust. Okay, let's go now to the work site and see the whole action with our own eyes. Okay, here we go. So now, Sabina, we are in the car. Where are you taking us to? 
back out here. So we are going on to the platform, we call. So Eater is built on this 42 hectare platform, which is a bit elevated. It's an interesting feature, by the way. Why are we sitting on top of a hill? Because we have a very big water reservoir in the north, right, in the mountains, Lac de Serponçon, okay. and there is a huge dam. And if that dam breaks for whatever reason, earthquake, you name it, the water coming down the Durance Valley, um, there will be a lot of water coming down the valley, yeah. but uh, we'll we be will excited. be saved. Yeah. Ah. So if there is a problem, our houses we all will be gone, Kruti, you know, <laughs> but either will be safe. So make sure that you are at work when it happens. <laughs> Got it. I will note that down. So this is the work site. Find the entrance here. And you see there is a lot wow. of activity going on. Cranes. So the main buildings are done. So there is not just the, the big black box, which is the Eater Assembly Hall and the Tokamak Hall, which is right in front of us. It's here on the left. Yeah, it's the big thing on the left. And But there are many, many buildings in support of Eater, like on the right-hand side, you can see the magnet power conversion buildings. Behind there is our big switchyard, where the power, the electricity is converted from AC to DC to be fed into our magnets. On the left-hand side, there are still digging big holes for the neutral beam and the hot cell facility. On the right-hand side, in front of us, is the cryo plant, which is the big cooling uh, facility to provide all the uh, helium, liquid nitrogen for the cooling of... Because uh, you remember I told you that in between the vacuum vessel and the cryostat is the cold world. Yes. And that's actually very interesting because there we are cooling down to almost absolute zero. You know? And uh, inside the plasma, as I said, you have these super high temperatures, 150 million degrees. So just a few meters apart, it's hotter than in the core of the sun and then few meters apart it's colder than on the dark side of the moon wow. and you can imagine the, the mechanical stresses on the materials and you need okay. some very efficient shielding in between uh, there so we have thermal shields in between these two worlds which are coated with silver very interesting so if I understand correctly here on this construction site we've got each we've got so many buildings and each building has their own section their own its own purpose you know yeah. on the right hand side is another big box this is the cryostat workshop this in fact is indian territory so the indians are delivering building the big cryostat the fridge in which the whole machine is sitting and uh, so they have manufactured all these uh, pieces they have sent it over in bits and pieces and it's being welded together inside this, this workshop here. And in front of us you can see the, the upper ring of the cryostat. This is still waiting to be inserted in the pit. Yeah. And so I suggest we park here 
And then we go inside the assembly hall to meet Laura Bertolot, who will explain to us what's happening in there. Okay? Lovely, perfect, let's do it. Hello, I'm Laura Bertolo. I am coordinating the activities inside the ITER assembly hall, so which is the big black box you can see over the car. Here we are receiving all the big components from all the corners of the world. We are cleaning them, we are preparing them, assembling and transfer to input. Now we already transferred some magnet inside the pit. We are preparing right now the uh, first piece of the vacuum vessel and our target is to transfer it at the end of the summer to in pit. So careful, watch your step. Wow, where are we? We are now entering the spaceship, Eater. <laughs> so we are now in the corridor that connects the assembly hall from the tokamak pit to the tokamak pit. I'm sorry, wrong English. Wow, it's much colder inside. So please be very careful here. Wow. So this is the holy grail, right? Incredible. This is what we call the bioshield, the pit. And what you see here are the first parts of the tokamak that have been inserted. What's with the pink? That's just foil, sorry. Oh. <laughs> it's not a girl. Oh. <laughs> That's so huge. Yeah, it's 30 meters by 30 meters, 30 meters diameter, 30 meters tall. And what you see here, it looks like a bit like an opera, right? With the galleries and the balconies. Yeah. So all these are openings, the ports, you know, where we bring in instruments to observe what's happening in the machine, to exchange components if needed later on, you know. So these are all access ports. <coughs> And what you see below us here is um, actually the base plate of the cryostat. So the outer shell of the, uh, of the tokamak, so we have the bioshield, which is ultra-thick concrete. Then we have the, the, cryost, uh, the, the cryostat, sorry. The cryostat is like a big fridge made of very solid, special steel. Um, and that is actually the container for the cold world. Inside the cryostat will sit our superconducting precious magnets. Um, you see number one magnet is in there. This is the round coil that is covered right now here. This is one of our poloidal field coils, the first coil, and it's sitting on the cryostat base, which was uh, the first machine component to go into the pit. This was quite a spectacular operation. You can see the video on our website. It was lifted above on the top of the assembly hall, over the assembly cranes into here. So that was really spectacular. And in the meantime, we have now inserted the, the lower cylinder of the cryostat. 
the first um, assembly column is in there. So in order to receive more components, they are now building up a tower in the middle that will have cranes to receive the components and from the overhead gantry cranes and that will lower everything then into the right position in the pit. We have assembly videos describing all that on our website. So basically everything that you're doing outside of here is just in preparation to put it here in this big donut so that the jelly can flow? Exactly. So where we were before, what uh, Laura described is the assembly hall. So we're doing the pre-assembly of the components. And so they are fitted with diagnostic instruments, with cable, they are welded together and so on. And then once the things are ready, they are picked up by these huge overhead cranes and brought into the Chokamak Hall and lowered into the pit. Right. Wow, so here we are, we are at the future. This is the future, yes. And so one, once it's finalized, it will not be possible to enter it here, right? Oh yes, so we will hopefully uh, start operating the machine uh, end of 25, early 26, right? Um, but uh, the first years of operation, the Tokamak will be accessible for people because we will only uh, we will not have the full deuterium tritium fuel uh, inside uh, the machine, so which is the real fuel for the full power operation. We will operate with helium deuterium in the beginning, and so this is just to test all the instruments whether the magnets operate fully, so that we can access the machine to see if something needs to be changed. Once we have deuterium and tritium in the system, it will of course not be accessible for mankind. This is why we have a huge department looking into remote handling, robotics, you know, because then only robots will be able to go inside. And it's impressive to see what these guys have come up with. How many can people serve breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> How many people do work in ITER? Oh, in general, I would say for the ITER organization itself, uh, 1,000 a bit more by now. The same amount of subcontractors, you know, that come in through external companies. And then we have a huge team on the work side, the actual sort of companies that do the construction works, you know. So um, I think there we are in the range of 3,000. Wow. So 3,000 people are building the largest donut in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, again, it's, it's a chain thing, you know. Some people designed the whole thing. Some people transferred the design into blueprints for the industry. The industry is then manufacturing all this and building the, the concrete shell, the steel frames and so on, you know. And then the physicists will come in again and to take it over. That's really impressive. We are at the Pioneers. It feels wonderful to be here and to be able to see into the Holy Grail, like you say, the, the making of the Holy Grail. And it's also wonderful that any, everybody actually has a chance to come here for a visit. Yeah. We are open from Monday morning to Friday evening, even during COVID times, right? So we have very strict uh, hygienic measures, of course. We can only take small groups. But um, yeah, so if you contact us, if you send us an email or call us, you know, we will receive you. We have a lot of media still coming in and uh, usually during normal times we have open doors day, door days twice per year. So this is when we open the site for everybody. You can 
register for that. And we will we are planning to have a remote open door day in uh, September, I think, or later this year. And of course, we are preparing a lot of tools to invite people to come and participate and to look. Like we have a virtual visit established right now, you know, where we invite you uh, to... Um, we, will, we will give you a presentation explaining again a bit more in detail than I just did right now what ITER is, what we do, why we do all this, and where are we at. So you will see videos and images and so on. Fantastic. Maybe just to, uh, to, to conclude here, as you see, it will take uh, a bit more time to, to complete the machine and it will take then a few more years to come to the real results of ITER, you know, to the physics goal, which is Q bigger equals 10, that we produce 10 times as much energy uh, than it takes to, to heat up the plasma. So 50 megawatts in, 500 megawatts out, this is the, the big sort of uh, equation over it all. But um, fusion will unfortunately not be the immediate solution to save us from climate change, right? So this is why a lot of people criticize all the money that is going into fusion development. But we have to say, I mean, renewable energies will have to fill the gap right now, right? And clever politics with carbon taxation and everything. Um, but ITER or fusion will be ready when the world really needs it, when we really have to close the pipelines and stop digging up the coal and burning that coal. Uh, to really take over the base load power that is now uh, delivered by coal and, and oil, right? These will always be big installations, so this is nothing for a small village like Vinon, Severdon or Manosque. Mm -hmm. But if you imagine <coughs> the huge mega cities, you know, that are becoming bigger and bigger, you know, in, in Asia, uh, you imagine Singapore or Shanghai, you know, you cannot imagine that these cities will be powered by solar panels or biomass or windmills. I mean, the, the land mass that you would need to cover for that is just incredible. So you need a concentrated source of energy, you know, and a clean and safe source of energy. And this promise, fusion holds. This is why we work here day after day, and sometimes even at night. <laughs> <laughs> so it will come at the right time and we'll be waiting. Exactly. Stay tuned. <laughs> so I hope we managed to explain to you what we are working on at ITER and to get you interested in this project. Yes, definitely. Thank you for taking the time to bring the listeners and I on this very special tour. You're very welcome. It's our pleasure. To the listeners out there, hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. For our next chapter, we will be explaining how Ether is more than just science and engineering, a true melting pot of cultures around the world. Stay tuned.